Welcome to a special bonus episode of 15-Minute History, where we're sharing some thoughts on the vice presidential debate. I'm John Streeter. And I'm Joe Parker. And with us again is our returning guest, Mr. Dan Lindsay. Hello, guys. All right, guys. We've had a couple days to kind of think and process and also read the hurricane of news that's happened since then. But general thoughts on uh, how Vice President Pence and Senator Harris did on the debate? Substantially more cordial, more organized, less over-talking for sure. Yeah. I felt like, based on what I was seeing in the debate, Pence did extremely well. And as a result of him doing well, the news definitely decided to to change the topic as soon as it could. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm just glad that we can now all focus on the lifespan of the fly that was in Mike Pence's hair. <laughs> You can always the true winner of the debate. True winner of the debate. Yeah, he had the most buzz after the debate. You can always tell from the media's reaction that the person they, that they wanted to win the debate didn't win the debate because they quickly, as Joe said, changed topics. Yeah, so. yeah. I uh, that fly got more buzz than okay, Mike are we Pence. Really say fly. All right, all right sorry, again. sorry. My goodness, the fly got more attention than <laughs> either of the people who were debating. That's true. I've seen memes of. Uh, the fly being Joe Biden oh, yeah. smelling Mike Pence's yeah. hair. I've, I've seen, I've seen them like it's dancing around, enjoying yeah. life. Yeah, when I was I was watching it here with Kyle, and uh, both of us are just like, oh no, the debate's over. <laughs> no one's going to be thinking about anything else. Well, apparently it's the last debate because there aren't going to be any more, right? Well, there's ta- the third the third debate, as far as I know, is still on as of Saturday night. The October 22nd debate so far is still on. Okay, the, well, the I Kristen, stand corrected. Yeah, it the was Kristen Welker to... one, okay. um, one being moderated by Kristen Welker, is still on. It's the second debate that has been canceled. Okay. Which they should honestly just push both of them back a week, but okay. the I Trump, there the Trump okay. campaign suggested that. So, of course, the nonpartisan, totally neutral, uh, not taking sides in anything, Commission on Presidential Debates immediately gave Joe Biden what he wanted, which was... One less debate. That's a good segue into my my other observation. I, I felt like most of the questions were in opposition to Pence. I don't know if you all got that vibe as well. I, I didn't actually. Okay. No. Okay. I thought this moderator she did much a much better. She absolutely job did a much Chris better Wallace. job. wasn't wasn't perfect. She she interrupted Pence. I think a little bit more. You know. Thank you, Mr. Vice President. Thank you, Mr. Vice President. But- well, I I think it seemed like a lot of people were surprised at Pence's performance. I was not because Pence was on the radio for a long time. He's been in government for a long yeah. time. I think it was in comparison to 2016. I don't think he did particularly well against okay. Tim Kaine in 2016. Okay. I thought he was he was qui- he was too quiet. He was not aggressive enough. And that's the uh, thing about 16. him is just I think people were more inclined to be in favor of his natural style after the first debate yeah. than they would have been in the past. Because oh, I, I mean, speaking frankly, he's a little boring. He's a little bland. And but he's very articulate in how he pushes back. Some of his pushbacks were pretty barbarous. I mean, straightforward. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And he wasn't yelling. Trade war against China. Senator Joe Biden didn't even fight. Yeah, that was like you're you're entitled. I forget what you're entitled to your own opinion, but not to your own facts. Right. It was Kamala Harris's history lesson, which has been cited by the Post and the Times and everything. This was completely incorrect. Yeah. That was the point of the debate that I actually began screaming at my laptop screen. <laughs> like, no, that never happened. That was not how that happened. Yeah. But I think they, they both, I will say this for both Senator Harris and Vice President Pence, they both did what they needed to do at this debate. Pence showed 
the rational, more calm side of the Trump the ticket. The Twitter-less side. Yeah, yeah. The fact that he's boring was a, was actually probably a breath of fresh air to almost everyone. He was still aggressive, but he was able to get the points across, and he was able to communicate them in a way that people actually, I think, maybe listened to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Kamala Harris did her job in that she was not supposed to say anything of value at all <laughs> that would that would generate headlines for the Biden campaign. I don't know. I mean, the number of times when she said, oh, Joe Biden's not going to do that when the Trump campaign is tweeting out video footage of Biden saying he is going to do that. I don't know if she succeeded in that. Yeah, well, she did. She did generate headlines in that sense. What I'm, I think what I'm what I'm getting at is she didn't delve into the actual details of the Biden Harris plan. Oh, that's yeah. So that's whenever true. she said whenever she was asked a question as to what Vice President's Biden plan will be, she was kind of like, oh, well, he has a plan and it's a good plan. And the plan is that he has a plan. And nobody pushed back on that. Yeah. So he has a plan for the Supreme Court. We just we have to elect him before he realizes. Well, we don't have a right to know. Hey, I, I'm speaking. I'm speaking. <laughs> You're supposed I'm to smile. That's supposed to smile while you tell me that. Sorry. I'm supposed. <laughs> I'm speaking. I'm speaking. I'm speaking, sir. So, Mr. Vice President, I'm speaking. Oh my gosh. So besides, if one that, of my students did that. Yeah. Whew, that would not end well. So, and there was a panel of independent voters who said that that was a little bit abrasive in terms of just how condescending it was. But well, the panel was all men and they're clearly sexist. Yeah, well, she had a choice to really go after not just policy, but also Trump's performance in the first debate. Mm-hmm. And she did a little bit, but she didn't do it a lot. And I appreciated that. Yeah. It was very much like how... How can I answer the questions that are being given to me? And yes, there is back and forth, but it's a debate. Yeah. And I loved Pence's answer to the eighth grader question mm. in terms of like, how do we get along again and so on? Talking about our Supreme Court and like, how can Alito and Ginsburg, how could they have had a relationship that where they were friends when they're so far on yep. the opposite sides of the spectrum? And both candidates, as Pence was saying that, he was nodding, obviously, because he was saying it, but Kamala Harris was also saying, yeah. was also nodding, saying, yeah. absolutely. And then when the debate was over, obviously they were on opposite sides of the stage because of COVID, s- yeah. COVID, yeah. But they both smiled at each other, waved at each other. It was cordial. Yeah. And you know what? I I could see that all day. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that was great. And what was the media story about what happened after the debate? Karen Pence not wearing her mask, killing everyone. Ugh. The media does everything it can to ensure that we don't have a civil conversation. That should have been part of Pence's question or or his his answer is that, well, we have a media who doesn't want because division is popular. Yep. And it and it drives clicks. What was your take on this debate versus other ones in history? Because traditionally, the vice presidential debate is not as heated. Generally, how does this this compare with other ones? Is this more of a better one, in your opinion? I think so. Okay, why? It was way better than 2016. 2016, the only memorable thing that came out of that was Tim Kaine's smile, where he's just grinning the entire time like the Joker. 2012 was, that's a bunch of malarkey or whatever it was that Joe Biden said to uh, to Paul Ryan as he's- Also smiling. Also smiling, but as he's as he's beating Paul Ryan like a like a disobedient five-year-old, Paul Ryan was a horrible debater. Because he's, he's used to congressional debates where it's all very rigid and very structured and all of that. I would compare it to 2008 in terms of the amount of media interest before, and public interest. Because as soon as McCain announced Sarah Palin as- 
his running mate. Everyone's like, oh my gosh, we can't wait to see her go up against Joe Biden. So there was a lot of pre-media coverage. The McCain campaign was not doing well in the run-up to the debate, just like the Trump campaign not doing well in the run-up to the VP debate. And I haven't looked at any polls in the last few days, but my understanding just from watching news coverage is the Trump campaign's getting a bit of a bounce out of the VP debate. Right. So I'd compare it to 2008, and then you go back a little bit further. I think I watched the first VP debate I watched was 2004, and that one was fun just because it was the inimitable Dick Cheney versus that smarmy lawyer from North Carolina. Yeah, Dick Cheney was pretty impressive. He, He was. So I would say this is... On substance and on style, this is the best VP debate that I've ever seen. It was and, very, very good. And just to clarify. For both. For both. And this yeah. was Pence and, and Senator Harris. Both did a really good job. Absolutely. And just to clarify, I, I think Cheney, when I was saying he was amazing, just his demeanor and confidence in, in terms of answering oh, yeah. things and so because on. Because he's so been he, in government since before John Edwards was born. He and his, with both his business and political experience, he had a superlative command of the facts. Oh, yeah. Like, he was able to rattle off statistics. He was able to give numbers. He was able to give examples ad nauseum for why he took the positions Mm -hmm. that he took. And that's one of the things, if there was a substantive argument that I could make to this debate not having a high level of quality, there wasn't a lot of depth into their arguments. Anybody can say talking points especially if the media is running cover for you, because you know those talking points are going to get regurgitated by whatever outlet is going to be covering you positively. But to dig deep into the facts, to give numbers that back your points up, I think Pence did a better job of that Mm -hmm. than Senator Harris, uh, because most of the first half of the debate was around COVID and him heading up the COVID task force. He knows all those numbers. But I would have liked to have seen more deep discussion, specifically around fiscal policy and, and economic Uh, strategies moving forward because some of the points in the economic policies being proposed are egregious (laughs) and so we'd like to four trillion dollars in new taxes but that's not new taxes john right (laughs) it's one of those uh challenging experiences where you were so let down by the first debate that you're willing to accept any type of <laughs> any type of performance that would top yeah. or be an improvement from the first one. Agreed. I also just appreciate that Mike Pence is utterly unflappable. I don't think he's able to get angry. Whereas right. and that's why he's able to summon facts and, and figures and, and things like that. Whereas Trump just flashes white with rage and he forgets everything he's talking about and goes right in on Well, Hunter Biden did Okay, we get that, and it's important, but there's a point that needs to be made here. Yeah, it, I was watching Vice President Pence as he was continuing to go over time, and it's like, this is the most polite, <laughs> the most polite interruption or the most polite <laughs> drawing out of time that anybody has yeah. ever had in one of these debates. So he, yeah, he, he, was, he was able to do that, but it's almost like when you're talking to a French person and they're cursing you out. <laughs> It just sounds so good when they do it. It's like you, they could be calling you any, any name in the book, and you wouldn't care. It, was like, it sounds so nice. That's true. As opposed to a German. Yeah, where if they say, I love you, you yeah. feel you know insulted. Run. But your comment about Hunter Biden is an interesting one, because I, if that question or that comment had come from Pence, it wouldn't have come from a position of emotion. Yeah. It would come from the position that it should have been presented, which is, this was illegal, and that's why I'm bringing it up. 
I actually saw a piece from The Atlantic talking about how that— Oh, you mean the the place that's run not one but two discredited stories about Trump insulting groups of people who support him overwhelmingly? The very same. Yeah. So I it said that that moment in the first debate was the defining moment because it showed— how compassionate Joe Biden was to defend his son, everything else, and talking about how important it was for a father to care about his family. And I I was reading this article and I'm thinking, it has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with the fact that it was illegal. And that is why it was brought up. It was brought up badly. The attack was terrible and the delivery was terrible. But if Pence had brought up something like that, it would have been different. Yeah. It would have been more... That's true. It would have been clearer. It would have had a larger impact. I mean, even even when he was talking about the COVID plan that Biden has, he says, it sounds like very, it sounds like plagiarism, <laughs> sounds which like plagiarism. which Biden is familiar with. Yeah. That was pretty cold. Yep. And for those who don't know, in his 1988 campaign, Biden plagiarized a speech by the British Labor Party leader Neil Kinnock, which ended his uh, his very first of either three or four presidential campaigns. In case, in case any of our listeners are, are unaware of that, Biden is very familiar with plagiarism. Yes. Well, that was one of the things I was kind of turned off of by as well. Is how many sensationalized news stories are we going to reference in these debates? I mean, the New York Times, the Atlantic. He didn't like, condemn white supremacy. Except for the 22 times, which he did. <laughs> so I mean, he also paid $750 in taxes. Yeah. But that's because he has a mountain of debt, which is bad, apparently. So, But let me explain how debt works, just for those who don't know. Yes, and by the way, let me explain it wrongly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was, that was a frustrating point for me, because as a business person, like every, mm-hmm. every wealthy person that I know okay, who has started a business, who has built a business from the ground up, or has bought or sold businesses, they have lots of debt. Do you want to know why? Because it costs money to build a business? Yes, and that's, how, and that's how you leverage scaling your business. And so, yes, President Trump has, what I think she referenced, $400 million in debt. It's because yeah. he has a $4 billion real estate portfolio that he doesn't pay for with cash. <laughs> he mortgages it <laughs> and then, then charges people more for the amount of the mortgage to use the property. Yeah. That's called being in business. And he can't do that at that scale by paying cash for property. So I was amused by that. Yeah. There was one moment that actually I think the press rightfully criticized Pence on. And it was interesting because I didn't think of it during the debate. When they were asking about abortion and they asked Pence, you know, how would you want Indiana to vote if Roe v. Wade was repealed and abortion was turned back to the states? And he spent his original two minutes going back to a previous question because the moderator yeah. cut him off. But then he gave what I thought was kind of a milk toast response. Well, I'm always for life and, and all of that. And a lot of pro-life people were like, wait a minute. You're, you have billed yourself since you first got elected to Congress in like 2003 as I'm a Christian, a conservative, and a Republican in that order. Why didn't you say, yes, I would want Indiana to abolish or to, to, yeah, to abolish abortion within the state borders? And I wonder if it was just he forgot what the question, the specifics of the question was, or if he started to moderate and gone more towards the Trumpian position on abortion, which is a little less mm-hmm. doctrinaire and a little bit more pragmatic, where, you know, just kind of let the states decide. I felt like he said that in his answer. It was very nonspecific. But, yeah, but it was his personal opinion, not how he would want the state of Indiana yeah. to act. I'm not I, criticizing him right, for right. that, but I, I was just— I thought that was that was interesting. A lot of conservative outlets were like, wait a minute. 
It's interesting that that's your observation because I actually was seeing the opposite. I saw a lot of people in support of his oh, answer really? because it, to be unabashedly pro-life is something that's not very in the press popular. True. So when he was bold enough to say that, people were just like, we're not getting anything ever from any leader saying this type of thing. We'll take what we can get. And yeah. so on that note, they were actually very satisfied. But your point is correct. I mean, he did not answer that. And that's problematic mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, I wonder if that was partially due to the fact that he spent the first two minutes of his two minutes answering the previous question. I think, He's kind yeah. of ran out of time at the end. So Probably. Okay, so, and he's got a, what, a 30, however many year record saying, I am pro-life. Oh, and, yeah. And give it, yeah. So I don't know if he was necessarily hurt by that. Oh, I, no, I don't think yeah. he was hurt by it. I just thought it was interesting that, you know, he's there to talk more about Trump's policies than about mm-hmm. his own. I think that if he runs in 24, which he probably will, he would be far more pro-life than oh, yes. than. Trump has been, and Trump has been very pro-life in More his pro-life judges than, and things yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. I think you brought up an interesting point in that if there are no more debates, why don't you why don't you share what you told me when you called me after they canceled the second debate? You you made a point about this being kind of the last thing that people are going to remember. It's always an interesting thing in a debate to be the last one who speaks because that's what's that's what people usually remember and go back to. Yeah. So if this was in fact the last debate, which apparently it isn't, but if it is the last debate, I think it's ending on a high note. Because both candidates were respectful to a certain extent. Mm -hmm. They were both somewhat straightforward in answers. They didn't talk over each other. It wasn't the festival we saw with the first debate, (laughs) to put it lightly. it you can't describe without using the word cluster. Correct, correct. So I think actually one of the reasons why it was so well received and so well watched is because people were looking for something better. Yeah. They were desperate. This cannot be how politics are in America anymore. There's, there's, there's just no way. So politics aside, cordial, like relationship, conversation, debate, this was a huge step forward from where we were before. Now, policy-wise, there's still stark contrast between the oh, two yeah. candidates. And people need to vote on policy. What policy do you agree with? Not on, well, I like this person or this person. It's a much better outlook when you're looking at, okay, what has this person done and what are they planning to do? And do I agree with it? Mm -hmm. And if you don't agree with it, then don't vote for them. It's that simple. So I think that while they returned to a sense of civility, which was, again, looked for and hoped for and sometimes prayed for, Mm -hmm. there are still the policy issues. Do you agree with what Joe Biden and Harris are planning to do? Uh, If you don't, then you should vote for Trump. Look at the policy not the people. What have they done? Actions speak louder than words. All right. I think that's a good place to end. Thank you, guys. As always, this was, uh, this Absolutely. was good. Thank you, Dan. Thanks for having me back. For those who are enjoying these, if there are any more presidential debates, we'll have these again. But you can all look forward to on Monday, November 2nd, we'll be posting uh, a long discussion with Dan and hopefully a couple other guests, just kind of giving some final uh, thoughts on the run-up to the election. We're going to try and keep the election and, our pol- and politics out of the podcasts and the discussions uh, that we bring to you each Monday. But it is important. To, this is a historic election, maybe the most historic in our lifetimes. We keep hearing that on the news. Maybe true, maybe not. But we are going to engage in the conversation with you. 
If you have thoughts or anything, you can find us online at 15minutehistorypodcast.org or wherever you get podcasts. We'd love to hear from you. Joe, can you give our audience the uh, email address and other uh, ways to get in touch with us? It's at 15minutehistory at gmail.com if you want to email us directly. And to John's point, if you would like to contact us via our website, it's 15minutehistorypodcast.org under the subscribe button. All right. Well, until next time, gentlemen, thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. We'll see you soon.